what you're talking about is work ethic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of people that would tell you that, like, you can't really train character. So, like, you could train somebody, like, how to use Excel, how to program, how to code, how to whatever. Yeah. But, like, you can't instill a hunger or a drive in somebody. Yep, 100%. Yeah, it, it, but it comes from when you're a kid. Yeah. You know, it 100% comes from when you're a kid. You know, your, your brain's just so moldable into at that age and so I'm only 25 you know I'm st- my brain's still moldable and it will be for a long time but you know that's that that drive and that little bit of want mm. you know is instilled at you from you know definitely the like the, those early ages of going out and getting a part-time job you know doing the crappy work <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that but um and, and as well it all comes that's all from your parents you know because I remember uh, always, always stuck with me. Um, my my dad, like, he just used to say, I don't care what you do, but you won't be out on a building site, on a, a cold build, building site uh, somewhere in Ireland, uh, you know, during the winter time. It's lashing rain. Yeah. And um, you can't feel your fingers. Yeah, for 50 years. Yeah, yeah. 50 years. That's, that's not what I want for you. I don't care what you do, but you're going to be sitting at a desk. Interesting. What yeah. did he do? Daddy what? was a joiner. So he was hard graphing, hard sore graphing. knees, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that, so he was the. He was definitely, even though you know, mummy was definitely a big. Like uh, we answered to mummy. <laughs> yeah, she was the mean? boss. She was the boss. <laughs> but see, when it came to education and stuff like that, like daddy never had a education worth talking about you know uh, dropped out of school at maybe I don't know when maybe 16, 17 yeah. never went to university or anything like that but uh, like he was definitely the the driving force but behind get in if you're not doing well in school uh, you know you're going to have me to answer to yeah. that sort yeah. of thing well, it's interesting you see that a lot where parents that's funny now like you know my wee one's only two but like already I can start to see it so clearly it's like something possesses you and you're like I don't want them to experience the specific hardships that I went through yeah and I think even in Ireland especially there's like a whole generation of like farmers construction workers mm-hmm. you know hard laborers who are just like I want something different for my kids you know what yeah. was your early part-time jobs but, yeah but I just wanted to say it's not that I you know there's loads construction, construction and farmers and all that stuff. Like they're all needed, and there's oh, such a requirement. And it's 100%. not to it's not to like play any of that down. And there's some of the best paying jobs, you know, in the world right <laughs> Especially now. Especially now, because there's fewer people who want to do that sort of Ex- stuff. Exactly. You know? But I suppose you know, come you know your your parents. It is a, it, it was a tough life. You know, it's probably a tougher life back then than it was now. Yeah. For them people, so that's just where it came. That's just where it comes from. But a. Uh, Part-time jobs. Or like early chores, yeah. all that sort of stuff. Exactly, exactly. Uh, part-time jobs. First ever part-time job was um, dishwasher in the back oh, of yes. a pizza place. <laughs> they, they actually got me into <laughs> the thought I was going to be able to make pizzas. <laughs> and you know, Did you tell them you could make pizza? No, I was only like 14. <laughs> only like 14 and they, they got me in and... It went from okay, this 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 cub is never gonna ever be ever gonna be able to roll dough ever <laughs> in his life. He does not have the capabilities. Pure, I was handless with it. I I just couldn't. But it's like one thing I've learned from that is like I can't roll pizzas and won't be a DJ. Okay, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. But, it's good to learn that early in life, isn't yeah, it? But I can wash dishes. So I did learn that. And nice. cut meat. Could I could cut meat? Where was this? Where this is in Cookstown. 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 Yeah. Uh, then um, so I was my very first part-time job, and then remember I worked in a bingo hall. Just no way. Giving out pound coins. I love. I love the bingo hall though. Mate, tell me stuff about the bingo hall. There's got to be mad stuff there. Uh, old ladies smoke like chimneys, <laughs> and they love bingo, and they're serious crack. I, the that was that was actually whenever see looking back on it now, yeah, I hid it at the time. I said, you know, you want to get in, get out, but see the amount of conversations you have with you know that generation. You, you look back on it with like real fondness. Absolutely, it was, they are they were such good crack. Yeah, 
Oh yeah, it was it was unbelievable. And I if you can learn to get on really well with that demographic and charm them, it sets you up in so many areas in life going forward. Like oh, yeah. is there a tough crowd, but once you win their loyalty, amazing. That's that's it. Um but again, you know, I I was in there for maybe two or three years from I was like fifteen to I was like seventeen, just giving out pound coins because um I was never trusted in behind a till. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, oh, I was I was absolutely useless at that age, but I still made go to work. Where was know, the bingo hall? Cookstown. Also Ian. Cookstown. Cookstown Ian. Love yeah. that. Um, and then worked in a pharmacy. Uh, whenever I was like uh, from I was about eighteen to I was like twenty twenty one, you know, part time, you know, even through university and stuff. Uh, ph- the pharmacy was good as well again because a lot of that a lot of that same demographic that was in the in the bingo hall were, were in the pharmacy and they love they love the crack again um, especially because the pharmacy we were working in um, it was always like two meals maybe you know the pharmacist was maybe a male on, the, on that day and maybe there would have been one other male and then the rest female so like all the wee old ladies used to come in and have it was just pure joyous do it all over you yeah do it all over you that was it um, it's good for your confidence as a young guy, isn't it? Oh, I <laughs> <laughs> need every bit of it. <laughs> Mate, you do. You absolutely do. So tell me, not, not only are you, you know, entrepreneur normal bass, not only are you co-founder of an assistive robotics company, but you're also basically a convicted criminal. Oh, oh uh, yep. So tell me, what heinous crime did you commit when you were seven years old? Was this also in Cookstown? No, this was... I'm from The Loop, which is a small village uh, just outside Markerfeld. Right. So it's... Bes- well, it's between Markerfeld and Cookstown, The Loop. So you can either go to Markerfeld for work or Cookstown. Those are the two big towns beside me. Um, but, but, yeah, I was asking... I was asking my mum and dad last night about this, you know, what do some people not know about me? That That's that's PG. And they... They like they told me a story and I was like, I, you know, I think I actually remember some of that. Um, so the, the, so they told me whenever I was like seven, um, they took me to the doctors and I had like a the shingles, which is like that rash like across your stomach and stuff it's like, like that. Mad chicken pox. Yeah, and they the doctor said, I it's brought on at, uh, by you know like worry and stress and stuff like that. And I still don't even know why a lot about the shingles. It's probably brought on by other things as well. But the doctor said it's like a worry and stress. And mummy and daddy were like, you know, worry and stress? He's, come, he's seven years old. What this he hasn't mean? even started rolling pizzas yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they, mummy, they, mummy, and, mummy and daddy said to me, you know, are you okay, Conan? Are you worrying about anything? And they, I, mummy says, I just broke down, roared and crying. And I told them that I'd, Flicked like a two p coin up onto the the roof of the primary school, and then like a few days later, this has been going on for weeks. Like this, these shingles, and like I said, like a few days later, there's a a leak in the roof uh, or in the ceiling of the classroom, and uh, I thought I had caused the leak. So that was me. That was me. That's what I was, and that's what I was worrying about. Flicking a two p coin, but it's not. It's just a. It's just a funny story because I am. Um, I am a warrior. Oh. Like I, I even it's it's not as bad as it used to be. But I remember, war. I was. I'm always a warrior. Panic like crazy. You know, I am not as cool, calm, and collected as <laughs> you might think. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see like the VAR of like if that actually happened. It's like you flicking the two P coin in slow motion and somehow like severing a huge hole in the roof. I was. I was. I was the. I was the cause of the leak, <laughs> and that's what I was worrying about for such a long time. Isn't it crazy though? Like, you do carry stuff so heavy when you're young. Oh, you know, hundred percent. I even when I always remember really distinct remember memory of whenever I was like young. A if if see I, we used to go and do loads and loads of sports, but like see if my mum was like maybe over. 10 minutes late or 5 minutes late coming to get me you know even though I was with my wee brother and I would usually be with like a cousin or something like that we always went to do these sport like basketball swimming did you football. play basketball? oh I whenever we were really that's young epic yeah yeah there was a good wee um, you just call it playing for peace 
Yes. Do you remember that? Yes, scheme? peace players, all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Used to, they used to run uh, basketball sessions in Kirkstown. Oh, we used to love it. Class. It was great for, because we played Gaelic as well, it was great for Gaelic. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I remember coming out of them, and if mum was like five months late, I would have been thinking, I remember even thinking like the worst Absolutely, as, a, yeah. as a kid. Like, yeah. Oh, I said she's left me. Oh, she's been in a car crash or something out there. Yeah, I was a, I was a real we panic. I was wondering. It's interesting. Like, I mean, there's there might be reasons why you're like that. It might just be the way you're like I don't know genetically made up. But I was reading something recently, and it was like the I might butcher this, but it's like the CEO of Intel, mm-hmm. and he wrote a book, and it's I think the title was something like Only the Paranoid Survive. And he was talking about how actually you you kind of want the warrior on your team. You yeah. want someone who's going to be thinking through all the possibilities and maybe seeing something on the horizon and being a wee bit more highly strung than like the cool cucumbers on the team because yeah. actually they can help protect your business and you know kind of bulletproof it from crisis and all. That's really funny that you talked about talk about that because um, Rowan, my co-founder, who's uh, C- like CEO of BioLiberty, so he's uh, he's the face of BioLiberty and. Um, he actually handed all of us um, that book, you know, uh, well, it's sitting out my desk there, you know, how to get along with others. Or how yeah, yeah. A, how to win friends and influence people, that one? Uh, no, it's not It's not that one. Um, it's... Anyway. Uh, anyway, but yeah. uh, it talks about, you know, the, like, paranoia, you know, actually not, not being something that you should be, not ashamed of, but, you know, be something that you should see as nearly like a, a skill. Yeah. And I've actually seen that because um, I've realised that um, once I got a full time job, I was um, I started to get these like really bad chest pains and like a well, not like a pain but like a shortness of breath and constantly just be going yeah there all the time yeah and then it would just go away and then I but then I I went to the doctors and stuff about it and they were like oh it's probably stress. And I was like, well, is it? Is it? And then, like, you know, months goes on and you start to realise, oh, there's that shortness of breath breath mm. back again. But, like, at the same time, too, I didn't get a great night's sleep last, last night yeah, because yeah, yeah. I was thinking about something, you know, what's maybe work-related, you know, relationship-related. Um, and so it does, before it gets out of hand, you know, and you're losing countless night's sleep on it, you know, I'm starting to get this shortness of breath and I'm starting to realise, ah, oh, right, okay, I need to get that worry off my table or I need to do something about it. 100%. And I, so you, you start to, it's, it's just like all about knowing your own body. But you know what that is? Like, and very few people get this so early on. Mm-hmm. That's like, you know, you're driving down the road and like a wee light comes on in your car. Yeah. It's just like a wee warning sign. Uh-huh. And like, I think pff, one of the best things you can learn is what are your triggers or not, sorry, not what your triggers, what's your warning sign? You know what I mean? And you're, you've got one that's quite tangible. Yeah. And so when you feel that shortness of breath, that tightness in your chest, it's a, it's a wee indicator for you to be like, oh. what do I need to change? And that's amazing because it stops you from driving off the edge of the cliff. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I, I, I actually do. Now that you say that, like I have those indicators. Because I have one big one. I don't have those. Any, I've, I've, the shortness of breath one is one. And then I have one other one that's really, really strange. Not too sure if anybody else gets this. I get tingly feet. Really? When I need to sleep. If I sit, when I, if I need to go to bed, I get tingly feet. It's just like, my feet will not stop. <laughs> like, they're literally, I'll be like, I'll be like a, you know, squirming them in my shoes. Really? I can't get rid of it. And uh, I, I was just like, I, I need to go to bed. And that's, only that's way, your body clock being like, go to sleep. Clock, go to sleep. I was like, the only way I can get rid of that is by going to sleep. It will, it will torture me. And you can you can keep it away for like you know half an hour an hour, but then after that it's just like you, you need to sleep. What? So it's so strange because and then I I actually just recently asked a uh, mummy if on daddy if, if they have this because because Ursula my girlfriend she's like you are you're totally nuts. This is the strangest <laughs> thing ever. <laughs> you, you, she's just like you get weirder by the day. <laughs> Keeps you interested. I, I was just like you know. I I've never told anyone about this. Like I, I get these weird tingly feet when I need to sleep, and I asked Mummy, you know, do you, do you have that? And I asked Daddy as well, and Daddy's like, No, you're a freak. <laughs> Mummy's like, Yeah, I get that as well. Does she so, have it? Yeah, you don't get it, no. Mate, you have to give me. You have to get me some research to show me why that happens. I don't know. 
I, oh, that's I, incredible. I, that's, that's weird, isn't Are it? we talking like pins and needles? Are we talking no, like it's, it's anonymous? Not, it's not sore. Right. It's not sore. It's just really like annoying. It's just you ha- feel like you have to move your feet around in your shoes. You know, you could be lying in bed and you're not going to sleep. And it's just like, oh, get that's so annoying. It's so, so okay, whenever you let's say you're you're you know you're sitting downstairs, <laughs> you're at a party, and the tingles come. When does it disappear? Like when you get into bed. Does it subside or will it tingle till you fall asleep? Disclaimer, does not come when you're drunk. So There you go. <laughs> there's some sort of neuropathway there. Whoever's going to do a PhD on this yeah. subject, there's some useful information. I've, n- I've never got it when I'm drunk. <laughs> but uh, but uh, it's, it only happens like, you know, a couple, like it happens, it can maybe happen twice a week yeah. or it might not happen for weeks. It's like a sleepy, spidey sense. Yeah, I was like, I was like thinking about getting one of these whoop bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was looking into them. I was like, "Wait, I don't even need one of them, right? I got my feet." <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> so it was assistive robotics. Um. So you guys have invented a robotic glove. Uh, yes. Have you thought about inventing a robotic sock that indicates when you get very tired? <laughs> And the possibilities are endless for this technology. <laughs> so how did, how did you get into entrepreneurship? Re- didn't mean to get into entrepreneurship. Classic. Love it. Which is, which I think is just as e- equally good a story for, you know, for, for anybody that's, you know, just getting on the career ladder or, you know, uh, it's just graduating or um, it's equally as good a story as somebody who's like, I want to be an entrepreneur. Um because Ross, Ross, um, who actually you know started by Liberty and it was his idea, um, so his where the where the idea comes from is uh, or where it came from was Ross during COVID. Um, Ross had an observation. Um, his auntie had really severe multiple sclerosis, and he realised um, for lower limb a uh, weakness. There was all these different tools, you know, walking aids, um, crutches, wheelchairs even things like um, door handles and stuff like that um, to help you, you know, get about on your feet yeah. around the home. But um, so, but whenever actually Ross's auntie lost um, the power um, in her hands, there was really nothing out there to, you know, help help her regain any function or, um, you know, uh, delay any further function from, you know, uh, f- f- from going from her hands. Um, and that's where that's so that's where the idea came from. And Ross thought he, you know, they could definitely do something, do something um, to to help with this. Um, so I would say Ross had that, you know, inner drive to be an entrepreneur and, yeah. st- and start a business. You know, he started by Liberty, you know, and then he got Rowan on board, and then uh, they got Shay on board, and then they got me on board. Um, how I got on board was the three of those guys already being a team for a few months. I studied product design engineering and I was actually working for a really good company called uh, Black Blinds. Um, Mate, I literally, I was in Macrofeld over the weekend and uh-huh. I drove past them. Block yeah. Blinds, was, I used to be a copywriter, so like writing slogans and stuff. Uh-huh. Block Blinds was one of my first ever customers. Oh, really? Yeah, That's yeah, cool. yeah. That's cool. But they're an amazing business. Yeah, really Mate, amazing those business. guys are killing it. And yeah. it's literally blackout blinds, and they're doing numbers. Yeah. They're like one of those like mid Ulster family run businesses that are just printing gold bars. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, they got involved in PPE and medical devices oh. over the pandemic. You know, um, that was just out of likes of a uh, Cormac Diamond there, the managing director. Just thinking. Mate, you'll have to intro me to him. Feet. I'd love to do a, a, a podcast with him. I think he, he'd be class. He's uh, he is a great guy to talk to. He'd yeah. be great on the podcast. Um, but yeah, I, I was working for them at the time and didn't really have... I, that's where I'd done my placement year with as well. Epic. Um, but we gradu- graduated during uh, COVID and uh, I had all these plans to go to America and travel. And I had interviews lined up with a few companies out in, out in the Bay Area, San Francisco. Um, COVID happened, didn't get that chance. Raging. And they, they were so lucky that they block... Um, I had a real fondness for Buck and they they enjoyed having me and they offered me a job during the pandemic when a lot of my friends couldn't get jobs. So I took that uh, with open arms, got back got back in there and um, 
then Shay and Rowan and, and Ross, they, they Shay came to me because me and him studied with each other at Mc, in, in Queens. I didn't actually really know Ross and Rowan at all. Um, and he said, you know, we've got this idea, but we have no way, and we're going to enter a competition here um, in Scotland. It's for 15k, um, but we we need to bring this to life. And can you help us out? This was like on a Friday, and they, the the competition application was due on the Monday. So I just worked Friday, Saturday, Sunday just to get something for them. My goodness. With absolutely no interest in getting involved. Yeah. You know, I was just like, ah, I'll, I'll do Shay a favour. Um, and that's genuinely how it was. And then um, I didn't really know anything about startups at all. Uh, like, genuinely, I'm serious. I hadn't a clue. And just one thing led to another. Um and got involved in it from there. Uh, and that's that's how my experience went. Had had no intentions. I w- was I was loving life at a, a block. There's loads of um, opportunities going there, and um, there's loads uh, loads of opportunities for a cre- really good career progression. For there. sure, yeah. Um, loved the. I was working on a really good team, um, and. I just enjoyed the whole experience of Black. So leaving that, leaving that, leaving that job was a, leaving that job was a big thing. Mm. You know, uh, leaving that, leaving that behind because you know it, it was such a good experience. It's risky, isn't it? Because yeah. you know you've you've got the clear kind of progression, particularly because you loved it as well. Yeah. You know, you hear a lot of stories. They're like, ah, oh, well, the money was good, but didn't really like my job. But you kind of had everything going for mm-hmm. you. Yeah, but uh, I suppose we de-risked it. Um, a lot like I'm not I'm not going to say uh, we jumped into the startup um, we were working on it nights and evenings for a long time you know for about a year before we went full time but we for about um, six months of that year we were working on a grant and uh, we submitted a grant proposal to Innovate UK and we got it epic so all four of us was able to jump into the business at the one time so that allowed you to Cash roll your salaries, yeah. Yeah, and it, yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know, we if some somebody asks us when's the right time to go full time with a startup and stuff, we were very fortunate to get that grant. Yeah, and it's still funding our salaries to this day. You know, so smart, and the, it'll be funding our salaries. I think to next next February. But I tell you what, though, like. Yeah, this guy loves Seth Godin and he talks about bootstrapping mm-hmm. and he's like you know there's different types of people there's like freelancers who just go out there and get their first client and now all of a sudden they're a freelancer yeah. and then there's like the classic entrepreneur that like goes and raises money and then like gets investment and then runs that way yeah. and then there's kind of like people in the middle who they'll kind of treat it as a side hustle to start off with they'll look at getting a wee bit of money into the business they find a way to bankroll their salary before they yeah. go full time and I think you're starting to see a lot of that I think you're going to see a lot more of that particularly yeah. as we're coming into kind of an economic time where maybe not as many people are looking to mm-hmm. invest but it's also smart because we've seen so many businesses rise and fall getting big massive amounts of investment yeah. and then just blowing their investment money yeah. as opposed to oh here we are really making this work. We are super resilient as a team. Yep. We're lean, we're mean, and we know how to do this, and we know how to do this kind of on a bootstrap kind of way. Yeah, but it does, you know, it's it's probably one part, we, we've experienced so much of the startup journey. Well, even, you're like on the yeah. investor road too, aren't you? Yeah, we're, in the, we're, in the, we're trying to raise our round right now, but that is one thing that we were, we are missing, you know, although we did work really hard in the business, you know, Morning and night around our full time jobs, you know, for about a year, and it's no, um, it's no, uh, it wasn't a, it wasn't a good luck. We got that grant, you know, that grant was a lot of really really hard work, absolutely for us to get. But that that is, I still have a lot of respect for you know the founders that you know maybe have savings and they fund themselves for you know a few months, you know, to get themselves into the business and totally. to get themselves working on full time because. That's that's something that we, you know, fortunately we didn't experience. But that word you use, de-risk, I think is everything. Mm-hmm. You know, like there is, it's like the classical, and I it, it was even embedded in my question. Yeah, there's this idea that like entrepreneurs are these like mad risk takers that like just go and jump off a cliff. You know. Yeah. And I love there's a local guy, Philip Bain, 
Uh, he does a lot of mentorship in that sort of world, and, and he's got a great thing where he says entrepreneurs are not risk takers, they're risk managers. Yeah. You know? And I think that that's really, really something that's overlooked in entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. That's 100%. And that's where paranoia comes into it as well. Yep. You know, you're looking at the different angles, you're making sure everything's okay before you make a... Before you make a leap that would leave you overly exposed, you yeah, know? you've you've hit the nail on the head there because when it comes, we're in a really intense period of uh, product development and also raising money. That's our two big things at the moment: product development and uh, and raising a, raising our next investment round. And the team is sort of split in that way. You know, myself and Ross are currently heading up product development. Rowan and Shay and the team they're heading up the investment round. Um, so we're lucky to have co- four co-founders that we can split the team in that way and. All you know, m- most areas of the business are getting driven forward. At some, there are always like your whole, sort of your whole C suite nearly, isn't yeah, it? That's yeah, amazing. I have not heard of a four four way co found. That's great. Yeah, um, there's not. I think there is. We've we've heard of a few more bigger teams in and around the Scottish ecosystem coming on board. Yeah, cool. Um, but yes, sometimes investors, you know, question, you know, a. Uh, uh, a larger co-founding team and stuff like that but you have to play on why it works 100% you know you've got so much so many more hands to do so many more things and you're making so much more progress than a than a single founder will and uh, this is probably an inappropriate use of this term but like I love that idea of sweat equity yeah you know and because you guys are founders mm-hmm. you've got skin in the game you're going to be heavily rewarded for success of the business and yeah. they have four people that have that hunger, that drive, and the passion for the mission of the company. Yeah, I mean that's just awesome. Mm-hmm. But just going back to the, your point about you know de-risking, like like entrepreneurs aren't risk takers. Genuinely, that's like that's true because what we're trying to do at the minute is commercialize commercialize um, commercialize soft robotics, and apart from a food picking lanes and manufacturing facilities soft robotics doesn't really hasn't been commercialized especially not in a, a, in, a, in the form of a medical device so let's let's set a wee bit of a framework so you're talking about soft robotics which is what so soft robotics is different to traditional robotics traditional robotics um you may think of as soon as i say traditional robotics you might think of you know heavy metal wires you know, motors, cumbersome equipment. Your mate, your mind might think of a Tesla factory with all these big, massive industrial arms coming in and and picking. And My noise goes to yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so soft robotics is different. Uh, this this uh, this type of robotics are they're uh, pneumatic systems. Um, they're lightweight. They're vibration free. You know, um, they're they're not as noisy. They're soft. They're much more like the human body. The human body. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, there so is. Give me an example with the fruit picking. So yeah, but like they, they exist on on fruit picking lines because right. a soft robot, three tongs, say, and it goes to pick up an apple. It's <laughs> it's not going to damage that apple as much as you know uh, a metal prong would yeah, you yeah, know yeah. if it picked up a piece of fruit I'm thinking like do you remember War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise the yeah. tentacles that had like this yeah so what so what happens with our software? oh robots? no that's inc- sorry that's in The Incredibles there's like a wee robot in The Incredibles oh, yes, and it's yes, got yes, like yes. The, the mad pinchers just like snapping necks exactly well probably not because it's Pixar <laughs> but you know what I mean <laughs> but what happens with soft robots when we introduce a, when we inflate them they can they, they bend so that's that's sort of how we're doing it, placing soft robots on the likes of the fingers. Uh, when we inflate these soft robots, uh, we what do you mean by inflate? When we when we actually um, inflate them with air. Yeah. So when we pump them up, these soft robots inflate and they produce a bending force, and that bending force is what we're um, applying to, uh, you know, the human anatomy, the mm-hmm. hand, the fingers. So um, that's. The it's the inflation and deflation of air that allows this soft robot to bend the way a finger would bend. Exactly. Okay. And uh, not only so when the finger bends, we call that flexion. Yep. But um, when the opposite of a flexion is extension, 
and we can achieve extension in these soft robots um, by creating a vacuum inside them so ah. that it can, the, the robot can go um, and it can produce a, a flexion force and an extension force and that can allow us to do uh, really cool things like uh, rehabilitation and strength training of the hand. So that's what the, the main metric that we're able to monitor through the assessment um, capability is range of motion. So ah, cool. that's when it comes to hand therapy, you know, uh, range of motion is absolutely huge. And also uh, we can uh, detect the force output of the hand. So what was number two? Um, number two is rehabilitation. Um, so we can, um, because, the, because as I said, the, the, the glove can provide a flexion and extension force, we can, depending on what, um, how far along your rehabilitation pathway or your rehabilitation journey you are, we can provide varying levels of resistance to hand flexion. So we can create a vacuum in these soft robots and that would allow us to do flexion training, um, just like you'd, you'd train your hands or train any uh, muscle muscle within your body. Um, so that's the rehabilitation aspect of the glove. And also we can provide the flexion force on top of that so you can train the extension mm. um, area of your hand. So that's rehabilitation. Oh, so that it can go both ways? Yeah. Can you can train closing and you can train opening? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the, the third area... Um, so, so assessment and rehabilitation is where most of our um, energy is being focused right now. You know, um, third area um, that we will love to do in the in the future, and we can do. Um, it's actually how the, the the product actually started off as being on a, us pitching it as a as, as an assistive as a assistive device. Um, but assistance is really hard to do because mm. to provide to provide assistance. Um, so if you went to if you went to grab that bottle, what the the patient would would like is us f- to sense the intention to grip, and then a the glove to provide um, on a, a an amount of force which helps them grip grip onto the bottle. But what's really difficult to do is actually is is uh, the work on the sensors. Mm. So, but and because it's okay for we've had some we've had good success with you know healthy hands and detecting detecting the intention to grip by placing sensors in the forearm and you know activating our robots but it's very very difficult to do with somebody who has you know really poor muscle tone um you know somebody who's just had a stroke uh, you know that's a totally different upper, upper extremity yeah um you're it's a it's, it becomes, you know, exponentially more mm-hmm. difficult to do. So assessment, rehabilitation and assistance. Right now, uh, we're trying to simplify the offering um, to ensure, you know, we get a product yeah. on the market within the next 12 months. So kind of on that note then, for people listening, what are some of the potential ways that you could make money? Um, some of the potential ways... Uh, we we would like to make money it's through the we actually see ourselves further down the line as um, you know a software company mm-hmm. you know uh, right now we're focused on on building hardware but alongside the globe we're actually developing a digital therapy platform and that digital therapy platform is going to communicate with um, with the hardware product it's going to be sent we're going to be sending loads of data to that hardware product and eventually we want to um we want to be uh, in the in the, in the we want to be predicting a uh, rehabilitation pathways. Um, so, so t- taking taking a lot of uh, the the clinician input um, between visits. You know, if you're an outpatient, um, you have two weeks. Uh, you have two weeks until you see your hand therapist. Um, or your occupational therapist, uh, you know, your hand's going to progress a lot. Um, your rehabilitation is going to pr- progress a lot in two weeks. You know, until you see that um, that therapist again, there's probably more you, you could be doing. And we could potentially um, be, we, we, could, we could be uh, informing you how to do that, you know, based on 
data being collected from loads of different users that are that are, that are at various stages of their their rehabilitation journey. Um, so, so yes, a, at the moment, our are just because of the regulation um, hurdles, our primary target market is the US. Yeah. And so yeah, we plan to get out there in the new year. So that'll be that'll be really exciting. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. I like uh, you know this probably is like way outside the scope of like what you would want to do but like there's so many things you could do with it yeah it's it's and it's this whole a uh, you know the, the problem that we're addressing is the the uh the shortage of occupational therapists mm. in the u.s and by you know by 2030 um the 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 supply of occupational therapists will never be able to meet uh, the demand for occupational therapy and that's the pr- that is the the key problem that we're addressing here through the through this one hardware product. You know, there's going to be a portfolio of products to come. You know, we're totally. not going to be looking at the hand. We're going to be looking at the elbow, the shoulder, the knee, the hip. Um, the, you know, the, our technology is really scalable to larger larger areas of the body. Um, <laughs> Boys will be going the CrossFit with all your products on and like <laughs> <laughs> flying up the pull up bar. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's it. Uh, I could be using it, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's that's the problem we're trying to trying to address. There is going to be a real need for products like this that allow occupational therapists um, and physical therapists to do their a. Uh, t- to do their job more efficiently and effectively and allow them to see a lot more patients. Um, and yeah, that's that's gonna we 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 really think that's gonna be done through um, remote patient monitoring. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely see it's not a great example, but like, you know, even locally with like the state of like NHS GPs, yeah. you know, people can't access or I should say people are struggling to access care in a time efficient manner mm-hmm. and in lots of other areas of life technology has come in outsourced various elements of it created scalability and it's really interesting that you're right bang in the middle of that space so I think I think you guys are primed for an amazing opportunity well hopefully and um, it's, it's not to it's not to say I don't want to get any too much hate for you know us being a UK business and then going straight to the US with it, but you know, we're 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 a startup. If we were um, if we were to pitch the and with the way healthcare markets are and um, how hard it is to get devices like ours into um, the likes of the NHS, if we were uh, to continue to pitch the business in that way, and we weren't to change our thinking and we weren't to target the US market first. We would find it very hard to get the support we need totally. to develop something like this. Yeah. So it we, is you know you're always looking for the fastest path to market as a startup, exactly. aren't you? Exactly. And yeah. so uh, probably the fastest way to get it into uh, the Belfast GP is to go via America. Yeah. <laughs> you know that that is that is the, the absolute strategy. Um, it's for a healthcare product. You know, it's a lot. It's a lot easier to get it into the the hands of patients um, uh, via the US um, and. It is our app, but it's it's our absolute intentions to yeah. you know be within the the UK and the EU, um very very soon after you know we're in the US. So it's not to say we're neglecting that or you're you know, you're forgetting about your your homies. You know, it's, just, <laughs> it's it, that's that's the nature of business. That's um, cool. Yeah. So if we kind of go back to you know you trying to roll dough in Cookstown, growing up <laughs> playing Gaelic, having a crack being worried about pennies on the roof. Did you ever, well, obviously you didn't ever see yourself being in a space like this. You didn't nope. see yourself being an entrepreneur. Like, what would you say to, I don't know, like the 13, 15 year old in Cookstown? What would you tell them about this world? Because not a lot of people know about in here. Yeah. They don't know about Bass. They don't know about entrepreneurship. They don't know about tech. Mm-hmm. Um. I think what I would tell them, them, them kids and stuff is number one from from my point of view, um, your friends' weird and wonderful ideas sometimes can think you can. Sometimes you might your friend could approach you and ask for help, like like minded. And yes, I thought the idea of BioW was really, really wacky. And maybe in them first few hours that I was working on this thing. 
I didn't think it was going to go anywhere. But look, look at us now. It's it's no longer just a weird and wonderful idea. It's a it's a business, and uh, we plan to go on and uh, employ people to to work on this and and grow it. And we plan plan to be around for much longer. So yeah, number one is um, never make never make fun of anybody's weird and wonderful ideas. Um, if they need help, definitely give it to them. Um, and so so that's just based on my own personal experience. There's an interesting bit in there, I think, too. How you don't always have to be the person to start. You don't always mm-hmm. have to be the person to come up with the idea. Yeah. You ever seen that video? Oh man, if I could find it fast enough, I would show it to you. Of. Uh, I think it's like Derek Sivers doing a TED talk and he shows a video of like a crazy guy dancing and then another crazy person joins them and then like two or three people come and then all of a sudden there's a whole crowd. The whole point of that TED talk, he says, the most important person is not the the leader. It's the first follower. It's the people who actually get around an idea or the people that make it viable. And I was like, whoa, that's epic. Yeah, that, that is really cool. And that's to- that's totally true. You know, I've never had an idea to this day. You know that that I think would even be viable for a business. You know, and you're always trying to think of you know what what'll be ahead of Bio Liberty. So you know you've you've always got your mind on you know small things that oh, okay, keep that in the back of my head. You know yeah. that could potentially be a business one day once you know we're finished you know doing Bio Liberty if that if that time ever comes. Um, but 100, percent you don't you don't have to be. You don't have to be the person to start it. You just have to be the person that somebody else... Uh, you, you just have to be approachable. You know, if you are good at what you do, if you work hard and you and that's reflected through your work, you know, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's probably a reason why Shay approached me. You know, he wouldn't have approached me if he knew that I was a, I was a poor... I was, I was poor at what I do. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Very few people are... Blast on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday for a Monday deadline. Yeah, that yeah. tells you everything. It tells you everything I need to know anyway. Uh-huh. But you know, you, there's the thing is of like uh, Shay approaching me at the time. You know, you know you're going through university and stuff like that, and you're putting in the hard the hard yards to go above and beyond. And you know, some everybody sometimes I did that as well. You you just do enough to get by. But with things like I really loved. I didn't care about spending, you know, loads of time on them yeah. and really perfecting them because I enjoyed it. And don't let people around you think that that's a bad thing for you to spend, even though you're probably not going to distinguish yourself in terms of a grade, you know, going through university, all that much to somebody who does uh, the bare minimum. They'll, they'll still get by, you'll get by, you'll, you know, you probably end up getting jobs, but, you know, don't let that that shouldn't deter you from wanting to really perfect your craft and if you and if that's you know reflected uh if that's reflected as you're doing it to your to your peers and stuff like that you know people are gonna people are gonna realize that and they're gonna like if you're a coder you're writing really you're writing really really good code i'm sure it's hard to distinguish yourself you know in, in that in that field of you know software engineering you're going. Through, you're, there's loads of there's loads of opportunities in software, and you if you're go, if you're in a class with a hundred people, it's all it takes is for one person in that class to have an idea and to think of you as the person that could potentially help them with it, and then you're in a, then you're in a startup, then you're in a business, then yeah. you know things could be a lot different for you than working for somebody else. Yeah. So, so yeah, um, I I I definitely got. Taken it, got the hand taken out of me when I was doing product design engineering, you know, crayon engineering as they used to call it. <laughs> and, but I loved, I loved it. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't afraid to love it. And um, that that probably was one of the reasons why the likes of uh, my friend approached me to to give them help with that one area yeah. of the business. It's but great. that turned into so much more. So yeah, uh, very very rambling answer there. It's okay. <laughs> That's what podcasts are for. It's perfect. Yeah. What do you like about working here? Like, what has Ormo Bass done for you? Ormo Bass has done amazing things for me. Uh, number number one is it's increased it's a increased my motivation beyond what I would ever think, and that's just simply because you're you know it's cringy to say this and stuff like that, and I'm not saying this because I'm just on a on a podcast that's going to be on Ormo Bass probably website, you know, in a few days time saying this because like, genuinely you're surrounded by 
like-minded people in here and you're you know there's a and that that goes goes a long way um you will not get the motivation from working in your bedroom than you will from even though all these people are working on entirely different things to what i'm working on you know when you see somebody with their head down um you know it makes you want to go and get your head down and get stuck into something um and also just that social interaction has been everything for me because throughout COVID, throughout COVID I was working a lot from home and at the minute, you know, I'm based in Belfast and the three other guys I work with, work with are based in Edinburgh. So until, until we go to the business and, and maybe something changes, you know, I don't actually have a lot of uh, colleagues over here. Sure. So a place like Armour Baths has allowed me to you know feel like I do have colleagues. You know, I can come in and I can get my work done. I can have a chat. I've made friends here. You know, that social interaction is absolutely everything. And probably, you know, take it from me that it is everything because I travel, you know, 50 miles here every morning and I could very, very easily sit in my bedroom. Absolutely. And, you know, I have a nice wee space in my bedroom, a nice wee desk and stuff, and it's it's grand. I, I still do work from home maybe a day, a week or something like that. Sure. Maybe not, maybe not as, maybe more than that on, on some other occasions. But there's a reason why I travel 50 miles here every day and 50 miles home. And it's because uh, it's because all those things are said. It's very motivating space. Um, it's a it's also it's it's also very social. Um, ju- just enough, you know. It's not a it's not a pure ganchin match, you know. You're not, <laughs> you're not, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. And and yeah, and also you know the opportunities that it's that, that it's actually given us. Like uh, we 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 met we've met investors in here. And we didn't mean to. Never thought we'd ever. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, we, we met we met an investor in here over pizza, and uh, we were just it was actually myself and Shay at the time. Uh, me, me and him were we were all we were all working on the investment. Um, but a year ago we, we raised a very small, private you know sometimes called a discovery round, sometimes called a friends and family round, and stuff like that. So we raised a small discovery round um, about a year ago. And uh, we, we, all four of us were sort of trying to get money in through hook or by crook uh, to support with the grant that we had got. And uh, me and Shay, I remember one afternoon, there was like pizza being served in the baths. And there's, so there was a load of dominoes in. And me and him were like, oh, it was that late in the afternoon? And we were just like, oh, it's been such a shit day. You know, that was such a shitty call. That didn't go well and stuff like that there. And then they, this guy came up to us um, that, that sort of knew us in passing and was like, you know, oh, do you want me to take a look at that? And like, I've got pizza hanging from my mouth. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm scoffing a pizza down into me. I'm in, I'm in trackies and a T-shirt and a jumper. Uh, and, you know, not, not, not prim and proper as you think you would need to meet an investor. Tomato sauce all around the face, and and then next thing you know, he's he's leading our uh, discovery round, mad, which is which is absolutely mad, and he's been probably you know one of the best investors that we could ever have asked for. Like that's that's the and we did not expect that genuinely. Like we didn't come here to meet investors and stuff like that. Yes, sometimes there's events and things like that, and you you have the opportunity to to talk to people like that, but. Did I did I think I was going to meet him at three o'clock on a Friday afternoon with a pepperoni hanging out of my mouth? <laughs> no. So, so I'm not saying everybody you're going to have that same experience. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. Here. No, for sure. For but sure. you put yourself in an environment like that. You know, you open up opportunities for yourself. And you know, I've definitely I could have took I could take the easy way out sometimes and sit in my bed at home and think you know I'd be better off just work from home. I could work from home and get lazy and work from home from home a lot. But when you put yourself in an environment like that, you don't know what the day is going to bring. So you know, true. Alongside your normal work. So true. Ch- most challenging moment so far? Um, most challenging moment with with BioLiberty. You can go personal life if you want. Um, I think I, I think I'll go BioLiberty because I think a lot of entrepreneurs will be able to will have this similar experience. Um, at some at some stage when they're doing their startup was us realizing that there could be a potential for our uh, product 
uh, within a different industry. And I'm not going to say what that industry is because it's irrelevant and we're no longer chasing that. And also, if we want to come back to it, I don't want to give somebody the idea. <laughs> <laughs> Smooth operator. But, yeah, but, but that industry was made feel like to us that it was, you know, well, it was never made, made, it was never pushed on us, but there was one, at one stage we realised that that industry could potentially is a larger industry than we're, what we're in and it's this big shiny crystal ball and we should chase that we should stop doing what we're doing here and we should chase that you know if that if we pull if we pull it off in that space hey, you know the the returns are so much better for for us but and it i remember like at the t- at the time half half of me, half the team was like yeah let's do it let's do it and then the other, like that the other half of the team was like no like a, I think we need to think this one through and some difficult conversations to have among co-founders but we had to strip it back to why we all got involved in the first place and um, and realise like what was our purpose for starting this company you know will, will we be satisfied will we are, will we be satisfied um, if we go chasing that industry and it, it doesn't it, we say we don't pull it off and you go chasing that crystal ball and you never get to it. How angry will you be with yourself? Yeah. You know, if we if we pivoted, we changed our vision, we ch- we changed our purpose. You know, if you're, I think that's the cool thing about a medical product. If we're chasing, if we're chasing it in the medical field and we're trying to improve patient outcomes and genuinely help people, like we can say, if we fail, we can say, you know what. We give it our best, and we had a really cool purpose, and we genuinely want to help people, and that's really fulfilling. You know, it sounds crazy to say that, but that is fulfilling. You know, other than trying to chase another crystal ball. Well, it's not cringy at all. It's like you know, start with why stuff. It's like life purpose, yeah. life vision territory, and that's mm-hmm. you know, that's your drive, that's your engine. But something like that has the some something like that has the potential to split up a co-founding team. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, and. We all had to sit down with each other and say, like, what was your what was your purpose? And even though my purpose is different to Ross's, so say say Ross's purpose was to help people like his auntie, you know, improve patient outcomes for people with multiple cirrhosis, stroke victims, and stuff like that. He had a really cool purpose. He still does. My purpose for getting involved with BioLiberty was, you know, maybe not exactly that. I love the idea of you know improving patient outcomes and helping people and that's something that we strive to do every day but you know one of my main purposes is to to, to employ people within the, the UK and Ireland yeah employ local people to work within a startup put put money in the table for, for these people like how I hope to do for myself and my family yeah you know and 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 grow grow ourselves within an industry that people from Northern Ireland are not usually known for Mm-hmm. You know, that, that like that's my purpose. Um, but can me and Ross get the same fulfilment out of bioliberty for each for or for for our different purposes by continuing the direction that we're doing? Yeah. Yes, we can. Yeah. Could we have got it from going in a different direction right now? Maybe one person could have got it. Another person that's might have got really, it. Really, really interesting. Yeah. So like the. The motivation or the fuel can be different, but if it's all going in the one direction, that's all that matters. Yeah. That's fascinating. That's really, really cool. What would you say has been the proudest moment so far or the most successful moment? Um, proudest or most successful moments? Um, oh, my God. Typical thing with entrepreneurship, you never, <laughs> you never stop to... You never stop and try and think of you know like that, that was a, that was a success and you never get the chance to um, reflect on that. Um, even you know, feel free to even zoom out. You know, just across your life in general, like what are you proud of? I was really proud of us going full time with the business. Yeah, man. I got. I don't think there's ever going to be a feeling like that, you know. Maybe, maybe again. Um, hopefully, hopefully there is. Hopefully there is. Like this, 
investment around that we're raising right now, you know, we're doing great things and we've got great momentum. And I'm sure if once we once we do this raise and we um we all have jobs to keep for another two years, like I'm sure that'll be a really cool feeling. But I like I generally do remember that whenever whenever we went full time and uh, Rowan had got the email through from Innovate UK and we had got awarded the grant and it was like it's just like no way like yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not wise um, and you know like f- like I think your your family and stuff like that at that early stage they can definitely they appreciate what you're doing and they appreciate how hard it is to do that whereas maybe now when we're raising investment and we're doing doing all these things that are really business specific you know it's hard for them to quantify how much how much of a success what we're doing now is but for us as four 24 year olds to go full-time with a business you know a lot of people around you can quantify that success yeah you know you know the the older generation who aren't as familiar like my mum and dad with how investment rounds work like that you know, once 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 we raise investment and things like that, they're not going to be able to quantify how good that is. Yeah, do you know what I mean? That's an interesting point. So so I think like that was like that was a lot of you know we, you know we went out you know went out for dinner with family and stuff like that there and you know like there was wee bottles of prosecco and all bought and like that was really cool. Like look back on that with like really fond memories. Um. So That's yeah, great. but I always say to the guys. We get we with Bayer it's so funny because we don't get a lot of wins. When we do, we get big wins. Yeah. But we don't get a lot of a lot of them big wins along the way. Uh, there's no look, look you see see some companies. No daily dopamine hits. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I I have we always try to tell each other like you know like that one wee tiny engineering problem that you're trying to that you that you've been working on for maybe a week, two weeks and you've figured out or that engineering problem that usually in my case I'm working on for six months and finally get <laughs> finally get to the bottom of. Um like we do remind we remind each other like, you know, d- don't underestimate like how fulfilling that you know that is. Yeah. Because that had a dopamine that you're getting for from um that had a dopamine you're getting from solving that engineering challenge, as it usually is with us. Um, or you know that really good conversation that went with a potential investor. Um, that head of dopamine is going to be probably the exact same head of dopamine that you're going to get from closing a big investment round yeah. on the day. Like that's like a that that is I think that's I think that's very true. Like you know, and you always hear it from you listen to more podcasts and you always think you know you hear about people going to the Olympics and things like that and a you know achieving. Massive things, you know. I was listening to Louis Pearson, you know, on your podcast there during the week, and he was talking about going to the CrossFit Games. But you know, the I I think like my, my take for, take for, was from him was you know like his there was he got a lot of satisfaction and fulfillment throughout the, his entire journey as Absolutely. he did from you know arriving on the scene at the CrossFit Games. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I think that's for like, true with like sports people. I think it's definitely true with business people as well. It's people yeah. who, who who build stuff and who are getting after stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So if you don't if you don't enjoy the grind, you're not going to make it. You if you don't enjoy <laughs> the grind, you're not going to make it. And, like you you hundred percent aren't. And when you actually do make it, it's going. We haven't made it, and I don't know what that actually looks like. But f- from listening to enough people now and listening to too many podcasts, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it sounds like when you do make it, if you haven't enjoyed the ride, it's not going to be all what all it's made out to be. It's not worth it. Mm-hmm. It's not worth it. Well, you've got a hundred miles a day, so that's plenty of podcast time. Like that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that actually is. I, I actually wouldn't change that. You know, like uh, I, I wouldn't change that hundred mile a day journey. Yeah, I wish diesel price was a wee bit <laughs> cheaper. <laughs> but see that hundred miles a day that, that I'm doing up and down. See being able to take that and just listen to like two podcasts a day. You know, thirty forty five minutes. So it's everything like, it's, it's an education oh it's an education like and it gives you the time to clear your head as well you know and think about not all the time because sometimes you just can be bored thinking about work but like it does it gives you time to be like okay I'm getting in what what needs done first so those so um, and some people swear by that as well oh why but like yeah, you should live like 30 minute commute away yeah so 
So yeah, but I, I've definitely felt that I, I actually enjoy the commute. I take the bus in the work. Yeah. Intentionally, it slows slows my day down quite a lot. Actually, yeah. It gives me a very clear like start and end point. Do you yeah. know what I mean? How long's your bus? I mean, I'm getting into work under an hour. Yeah, that's yeah. a pretty long commute though. Yeah. Like, it gives you a lot of time to either just chill out with like, you, you. You have a kid. Yeah. You have a wife, so just chill out. You know, in your own personal space. Same time, it gives you time to set up. Yeah, or, before you or open wind, the front door. Or wind down. 100%. And, you know, I like it because it builds in, you know, because the bus itself is maybe like 25 minutes. Mm -hmm. But then there's like the walks, you know, the walk to the bus, the walk from the bus to here. Yep. Sometimes the bus is late, da, da 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 And I like that. It slows me down. And that's I think that's important whenever you're in quite a fast-paced working environment as well, you know. Yep. And it, in here is fast-paced. It is, yeah. So it's what... It's well, it's as fast paced as you want wanted to be. Yeah. Oh, but it's a it's a drug like it's unbelievable. <laughs> what advice would you give to an eighteen year old version of yourself? Wrapping up. Um, advice to an eighteen year old version of myself. Never been asked all these questions before. <laughs> as I said, as I said, I am not the face of biolibrity. Hey, Rowan, Rowan Armstrong is, and I shouldn't be doing these these podcasts. Um, eighteen year old version of myself. Um, oh, that's really that's really really hard. Just like work hard. And I um, know everybody says it, but uh, you're gonna nothing's gonna get handed to you. Um, and if you think it is, you're the bigger fool. So you, you have to work hard. Um, nothing in life is worth having without, you know, nothing in life that you didn't work for is worth having. Um, and I'm, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying where we're at right now. Um, you know, sometimes you, you, you wish things are different and you know, sometimes you wish you had bigger salaries. Sometimes you wish... You know, you did more traveling. Sometimes you you wish all these things, but like, the, the, if you had it all given to you, you know, you would never appreciate it. And there's a reason why you work hard for things. Like those things are going to be wee rewards you get along the way for working hard. I saw a thing. I think it was from Jocko Willink. Is that that guy's name? And he was saying something like, "There's a lot of free dopamine out there in the world." He's yep. like, "Don't take it." He's mm -hmm. like. If you want dopamine, go out and earn it because it'll feel so much more worthwhile if you do it that way as opposed to taking a quick wee, you know? hundred percent. Um, but, but yeah, and I don't think that's like a... I don't think I've actually done anything different to that. You know, working hard was something that was always instilled in us. Um, I was never the smartest a smartest stuff people so I had to work hard through through like school and stuff to get any grades that we did get um, or I would have failed misery and I I don't think I have I have worked hard but you know I'm, I'm trying to think of what what else you would tell 18 year old self um, de definitely like read more though I'd say I'd say read more it's something I'm trying to pick up now um, I don't read enough Um I would have liked to have been more aware of entrepreneurship and the startup ecosystem than what I am now. I definitely like than where I came from. Obviously, yeah. you know, I didn't have a clue before I got involved with BioLiberty, but I should have been more aware of it. You know, read read more and get involved in more you know weird and wonderful workshops that you can yeah. probably take, take the piss out of you for yeah, yeah yeah you know whether it be the engineering society you know whether it be I don't know what it is but maybe maybe do a little bit more outside of sports and that could be like you know reading more and mm. having the confidence to go up and like talk to entrepreneurs and, and things like that entrepreneurship isn't for everybody mind you but um, I think now that I I didn't I never thought it'd be for me, and now that I've got a taste of it, I don't think I want to do anything differently. Absolutely. So I uh, yeah work hard, read a bit more, talk to some more people. Love it, mate. Those are three three bangers. 
Not, not that I need any excuse to talk to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have enjoyed this. This was a lot of fun and really insightful as well. There's a wee bonus question I like to ask people. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, first thing that comes in your head, never say, what's the kindest thing someone's ever done for you? First thing comes in my head, kindest thing. I'm really bad. I'm really bad on the spot. Um, oh, I'm not too sure, man. So not. I'm not. I'm really not sure. Oh, I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of loads of things right now, but trying to get one out is pretty difficult. Um. Uh, I remember I had an old boss, like my old boss. He uh, he he helped me through a, through a tough time, um, and he had no no right reason to, you know, personally. Um, literally, wide wide weird thing. Like I just I just blurted it out one day, and didn't realize how much of an issue it was, until I started speaking about it. And uh, uh, once I spoke about it, totally changed my life. Wow. Yeah, don't want to don't want to say what it is. All good. So there's because don't want to like disrespect anybody. Um, but like uh, I I remember that with remember that pretty pretty well. Yeah. That's like the whole thing. Like men need to speak a bit more. Well, that's the thing, you know, and I think I know certainly in my life. You know, I come from a background like suicide survivorship and mm-hmm. bunch of other stuff, addiction. And I think that the pain you have in your own life, particularly earlier on, is an opportunity for you to be there for someone similar yep. later on in your life. You know, because I like you think about the hard things that you've gone through, you would have loved nothing more than for someone to step in. Yeah. and do something and even this boss you know whatever right. they did you have the opportunity to do that now for the the guys that come next you know yeah and, but see the thing is whenever you're not you're you you're, whenever you're not like headspace you never think like you actually need help yeah you know when you never think of actually needing to ask for it or you never think it will actually help if you tell somebody if you know what I mean Absolutely. I'm not too sure I'm not too sure if you've experienced that yourself but for whatever reason it did it blurred out that day mm-hmm. and being able to talk to somebody about it really, really helped. Incredible. Uh, yeah, so that's that there was one. I'm sure there's probably loads of kind things that people have done for me, and I'm not too sure there'll be many, many people, many of my friends listening to this, but if you have done really kind things, it's just <laughs> that. Oh, yeah, yeah, don't be slobbering later. Going to mate, love this. Yeah, that was Thank you so really much. Cool. Yeah, really loved cool. it, man. And thank you so much for everyone listening. <laughs>